0: Hello and welcome to Touchline. My name is Kasper Hals. I'm here with Mark Cameron and Robin Swanepoel.
1: Looking forward to, to the show. There's many awesome topics that we're speaking about yet again. Um, the one that I'm really looking forward to is the launch of our position-specific topics, uh, where we invite either player or coaches or someone that has been part of a specific position before to to guide us through what exactly it all entails.
0: Yes, Mark. Um, I also think it's a, it's a very good insert that we're doing. Um, I had a, an incident where one of the parents of one of our players came up to me 10 minutes into the second half telling me that he, he thinks that his son is not playing very well. And I, in my mind, had it as the son had an absolute blinder of a game. And then I realized that the father actually was looking for the the son to carry the ball, who at that stage played prop. And the poor boy was everywhere that he was supposed to be. He was He wasn't carrying the ball, but he was stealing the ball, and he was doing everything that he's supposed to do in the position that he played, and the father just wanted to see him carry the ball, and in the father's mind, the boy had a a very average or, or, or bad game, and in my mind, I thought that he had an absolute blinder. So this insert, I think, will just highlight the actual work that each position should play, each player in his position should play.
1: Agree. Um, you know, from a coaching point of view, there's specific things that we, that we look for. Yes. Um, that's why the players need to do what they need to do. And the first things to do is tick all the boxes in your basics that you need to do right. You know, so they always say if we... if. If we play on the front foot, and we're referring to props now for argument's sake, if we're on the front foot, then they can run around with the ball more. And I think yes. that's what spectators want to see. Yes. If they don't see you, then they think you're out of the game. Meanwhile, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. So yes. I agree with that 100%. And looking forward to, to the series that we're launching, um, touching from number one right through to number 15.
0: Yeah, so hopefully we can bring some insight here. Robin Swanepoel is joining us to chat about the position of prop in a rugby team and what it entails. Robin played 86 caps including four internationals for the border bull- Bulldogs at the position of prop. Robin currently is with College Rovers and he also coached at College Rovers as an assistant forwards coach and he also coached at SA Home Loans Collegians as the head coach for about four years. Hello Robin and welcome. Hello Casper, thank you very much for having me. Hi Rob, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, well thanks. Thank you Mark. Uh, All good, thank you. Very windy but all good.
1: Yeah, nice having you on the show. Um, I hope you will will enjoy it and um, I'm looking forward to a nice chat with you.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Robin, with regards to the position of prop, um, what is the responsibility of a prop in the game of rugby relating to scrums, line and then general play?
2: Yeah, okay, Casper. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's quite an in in-depth uh, question that, but uh, first and foremost, I think uh, props are your, your better-looking guys.
1: <laughs> okay, that's we not what the backline think. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we like to believe that. (laughs) Uh, Listen, uh, in all seriousness, if I've got to sum it up, um, and then I'll go through each little point for you, but if I've really got to sum it up um, in a few words, I'm going to say that a prop basically creates a stable platform. at set-piece time for a team as a whole um, to get that team onto the front foot. uh, In a scrum, obviously, he's got to ensure that he has the correct technique his position, that he's always aware of safety at all times, that he applies enough pressure to get his team onto the front foot.
0: Okay.
2: Um, at line Tom. time, I think he's got to be aware, number one, of the calls in a game. Okay. He's also then got to have the correct, he's got to know where the correct position is required in that line-up and what his role is in that lineup. Obviously, he's got to move quickly in that set piece into the right areas, supporting his jumper, um, whether he's the front or the back lifter. Okay. Do you have the correct body position at maul time? Obviously, if he's the pillar um, had a maul, do you have the correct body position when they're going forward? I think uh, from a stability point of view. And the same on defence. He needs to be well aware, as a front row and a prop, where number one the ball is, and number two where the pressure point is coming from. And he needs to have that good body position with a spine in line, well counter um, at line up time. Okay. General-
0: Look in, uh,
2: I think I think that's uh, from a scrum point of view and from a line up point of view. It's just those two the few little things I've just covered um, are just really a summary of what um, they've got to do at a set piece, yes. at set pieces. I think uh, if I've got to touch on general, Frey, before I get to specific, he always needs to know where he needs to be on the field. Okay, so he needs to know the calls. I believe not just a prop, but specifically props. need to know what the back moves are and the forward moves are. This obviously will allow him to be in the right area of the, the field as per the coaches' and team game plan.
0: Okay, okay, then the physical attributes um that makes up a, a a good prop, what will you look for?
2: Well, look, um firstly, I think uh you know times have changed. It's not the old day yes. anymore uh, you know where props were a lot heavier, um and they were very portly guys, yeah yeah
0: they
2: could uh, as they say up becomes they could stand plus yeah. You know, today's prop needs to be a lot more mobile and he needs to fulfil a lot more roles, especially a set-piece um, in general play according to the team's game plan and the coach's game plan. So, in saying that, he needs to have a lot of explosive power yes, for those set-pieces um, and he needs to be mobile. That's the bottom line. Gone like, are the days where you can just scrum or put you know, more... Yes. Uh a line up and then just get up and walk to the next one I think that's the coach's nightmare um, you know the old saying it, it, it was in the old days the first five yards I yes. think now it's, it's the first 50 yards <laughs> so, Definitely. so yeah. yeah he's got to he's got to be mobile and he's got to be where he needs to be um, for him to be able to do the job that he needs to do in saying that to become explosive as a, as a prop he needs to focus a lot on his conditioning in the off-season, in yes. the preseason, and constantly during the season he needs to work hard. Um, there's no time for rest. There's there's various phases that he needs to work on through the season um, to be able to get him to the point that the coach wants him to be and the team wants him to be.
0: Okay. Then, the difference between the number one and number three, your loose head and your tight head props. <laughs>
2: There's, there is definitely a huge difference between the two. A lot of coaches won't say that. I mean, I, I see it a lot at, at junior school levels um, and even high school levels where coaches will just take out a one and a three the whole time and swap them around. Yes, they can do that. And if you can play both sides of the scrum, well, that's very good for you. But if you're going to specialize in a position, um, I like to say that loose head position is a lot easier than tight head. Yes. <laughs> That's what I like to believe, yeah. um, but but they both have their challenges, you know. Yes. Um, basically, to sum it up, if a lucid uh, on the lucid side, he's got to have the thinking of down, oh, sorry, hold and up. Yes. So when I'm saying hold and up, he's using a lot of his uh, strength coming from his legs, his core, and into his neck. Yeah. So he holds off position prop when he holds him, but he uses the head with an up movement to get under that chest bone or that chest of a tight head to be able to scrum up. Yes. A tight end's a lot harder in that uh, position. A tight prop is bound a lot more, so he's, he's bound on both sides, literally when he goes into a scrum. And he's got to have the thinking of hold, down and out. So when I say hold, down and out, that's when he's in his position and he and he actually engages. He's sort of got to force the loose head down so he can't push up. He's then got to push down, obviously, and then out. Okay, so okay. when I say out, he's talking his head to the right and that creates the right shoulder of which uh, Mark there will tell you that any coach, uh, probably 80% of his game plan revolves around the scrum getting a right shoulder. Very okay. difficult position and very uh, technical position to work with but once you find that right frame and that right person for a tight head, uh, you'll never look back as a
1: coach yeah. so, Swanee, sorry if I can just come in there um, Yeah. when we talk about working with a specific shoulder, um, obviously you've got your, your loose head and your tight head um, but before we start there obviously you can't do with without either of them both of them need to play but your anchor correct. man, your anchor man in the front row is obviously your tight head, am I right? Yes, correct. So so if you look at your tight head, we know from a technical point of view there's obviously differences between number one and number three. Um but what else yes. would you say uh, would be the difference? Obviously in the olden days you were you touched on it earlier on to say that gone are the days where it has to be this big guy that's running or walking around on the field. They're more conditioned nowadays and so forth. But the myth out there, and when I say a myth because a lot of people don't understand, and that's why we have chat shows like this. So is it a myth to say that your tight head is your stronger one out of the three because he is the one that has to keep that that scrum stable?
2: No, look, I think it's definitely a myth um, because... Go and try and tell Osterante that, uh, that a is stronger than he is, um, and for the for okay, like that. But
1: is a lot bigger or now or than <laughs> he was yesterday. <laughs> no, no,
2: I, I hear you, but what I'm saying to you is, it's definitely a myth, okay? Because that's look at uh, in in my opinion, any front row is as strong as the lock behind them. Correct. But with good with good technique, and I believe, you know, it, it's it's my little way, and I've always decided that through all, all the coaching that I've had and and I believe uh, the late Kitch Christie was like it as well. A tight end's not made, you're born into that position. Right. Yes. You can either scrub there at tight end or well, you cannot. Okay. So and, and and it's quite simple. The guy that's gonna get in the front on his front foot ahead of a ahead of a hook an inch. He's just got that natural body position with his core nice and flat back. I think of a guy that's playing for Worcester Warriors now that came through Rovers and played for the England squad. Oh, but then I Nick Shonett, one of the best bats that I've ever seen in a scrummager. You know, that kind of thing is 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 not just made. That's found and you can identify that in a kid from a young age. And I believe it's important for coaches to have to look for that specific target. I believe you can make a loose head. A lot of flanks that have played um, on the side of the scrum have gone to loose head and but uh, show me a flank that's ever gone to a end. It just doesn't yes. happen. It's it's definitely yes. You could say maybe a stronger guy I wouldn't say that. I definitely wouldn't say that it's a must.
1: Uh, no, look, I, look. I agree with you. Uh, the question is just to ask for the listeners to understand, and you can you can see this at a provincial level or at a national level where coaches play around with with one and three, um, and whoever would be suited for that specific position. But as soon as he changes position. Obviously, it's a, it's a time in that position that will make you a better player there too. But when you scrum against a position that is, that is seasoned in their, in their roles, um, it makes it a lot more difficult, obviously, for the one that has changed positions.
2: Yeah, look, you're 100% correct. And I mean, you know, le- let's use some examples. Let's have a look at the, the Springbok setup now before Rossi and them took over. You know, um, I, I think of somebody like a Kuni Wistazen. That came uh, from the Free State. Mm-hmm. Kuni, uh made his Springbok debut at Lucet. and he was an incredible lucid, And then what happened to Kuni, Um They started moving him over to the Tarte side, and he absolutely battled at Springbok level mm-hmm. playing Tarte. I don't know if you can remember that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then,
2: yeah, and then you know, then the Sharks actually started enforcing that he plays Tarte a bit, and he actually started coming right at yes. Tarte. So he had to do. It's it's almost biblical. A seed, time, and harvest. You have to spend a bit of time in that position to be able to get get the know-how of it. The same is with this uh, the big tank here at the Sharks. Um, you know, he's... Uh, mm. Yeah, uh, Detroit. So he... You know, he's also not a tight head. Um, and they, and they, they've tried him on the tight as well. And I believe he's a, an out-and-out. Out, you said he played there his whole life. And will battle at tight head. That's why the likes of... Um, Kevin Kanya, and all those guys that have played
1: tight head are just the answer um, about it for us. No, 100%. Then just the last question from me quickly. You touched on uh, scrumming with a specific shoulder and that. Um, Then just for the listeners, obviously scrumming like that on the loose end side or on the tight head side is slightly different. Um, Obviously, when we want the right shoulder, it's different. But from a prop perspective, um, the loose head, obviously when he scrums, his left shoulder is basically out of the scrum, if I can put it that way, uh, whereas the tight head is more fixed into both his shoulders. Um, is there a specific way that, that um, obviously they would scrum differently?
2: Yeah, look, there is. There a loose head, you're quite right. His shoulder rightly should be out, but it shouldn't be out because he's got to be binding. So if he releases, if you think of uh, looking at a scrum you'll see a loose head, if he releases his left arm, he will his shoulder will be basically out, okay, so it will be visible. He has however, got you banned on his opposition prop, otherwise it's illegal scrummaging. That's why I don't know if you remember there was a big thing Lou says used to get away with murder by putting their one their left arm onto their knees Correct, um, yes. that, that was purely from a support point of view mm. and also gave them a lot of sh- strength off the knee. So the fairest way of that was for them to bind up. Yes, his ultimate goal, the loose head, is to try and disrupt the tight head by pulling his bum out with a long bind. He can also have a short bind, dig his neck into the bone, but yes, he is loose On the tight head side, totally different, because now you have the loose head on the outside of you, um, and you've actually got a bind over his shoulder, so you're in the gap between the loose head and the hooker's head. Um, that is where you stuck for the lack of a better saying. Yes, perfect. Look, if I've got to, um I think that the, there was a, a point I just want to summarise basically what I always tell props. Um and in any coaching session I said literally a game is eighty minutes long if you know if there's no extra time. Okay? And the sooner a prop, whether he's a loose head or a tight head can win his opposition prop, the better for him. If it takes him five, ten minutes, well then great. But if he's gonna have seventy five minutes to work out his opposition prop, um he's gonna have a torrid time in the scrum. Definitely where if he's a tight head, the lucid gets under yeah. him. If he's a if he's a loose head, the tight head takes him down to ground all the time. And that is purely just on technique. Yes.
1: And I th- and I think uh, you're hundred percent correct, and I think part of that is more paramount when you start moving your props from 1 to 3 and vice versa because obviously they still need to try and figure out what they're doing let alone what their opposition is doing
2: Well yes, I mean uh, (laughs) there are cases, don't get me wrong I mean it's not impossible, it's actually a coach's dream to have a a guy that can play on both sides I don't think you'll find a guy that specialises in both sides but you'll normally find that a coach, what he would do if he does identify a player that is able to play on the loose head and the tight head he would normally form, as an, he would come off as an impact player. Yeah. So he's going to use his specialists to uh, the Afrikaans saying Mark Sach, and then he'll probably use uh, the other guys to be able to come on. And you, you'll find nine or eight times out of ten, that that guy that comes on that is the guy that can play both sides, is probably a lot more mobile as well. Yeah, definitely.
0: Robin, just something from my side. Um, you mentioned some, You mentioned earlier that uh, the loose head is scrumming upwards and the tight head needs to try and counter that. So, in other words, pushing down. Is that why the referees then in awarding penalties? When a scrum falls, he will go to the, the tight head side and when a scrum goes up, he will go to the loose head side?
2: Well, there's... A- There's an old old thing. and In fact, I think it's a rule, to be quite honest. From a referee's point of view, um, I could be wrong, but you could ask the referees. I think referees, when they stand there and they say an edge call comes, if that scrum collapses straight away, he's always going to point a finger at the head.
0: Okay.
2: On the engage. Yes. Okay. Once the engage is engaged and it sets and it collapses, he starts pointing the finger at the loose head. Because basically what they're saying is If you go into the scrum on impact, they know that the role of the tight head is to go down and out. Okay. Okay, to get that shoulder. If he goes down, out, and he stays up, well, that's fine. Yes. But the role of that loose head is to obviously disrupt that tight head. He will then come with a short bound and pull him down. If he can't handle the pressure from the shoulder on the back of his neck, because ultimately that's where a tight head takes the ball of his right shoulder... And he aims for the back of a neck of a loose head. Yes. Okay, because you'll find, I don't know if you, next time you have a look at a scrum or the uh, the listeners out there, you can actually see a tight head can actually let go of his right hand if the ball of his right shoulder is strong enough. Yes. Because that's how he controls and manipulates a loose yes. head.
0: Okay.
2: So, so what I'm saying to you is that that loose head, if he can't handle the pressure, you'll see that his elbow will drop to the ground. Yes. Um, because now he knows that he's not allowed to put his elbow that's why they used to put the arm onto the knee yes. to try and support that uh, tight head from taking him down
0: okay thank you very much Robin thanks it's for the a big pleasure for the insight and um, yeah. I'm sure the listeners has learned quite a quite a bit about the front row
2: yeah thanks very much man anytime thank you for the opportunity thanks Mark and Casper. I appreciate the,
1: the time and thanks, Swani. We'll definitely push on your button again in the future. And thanks for joining us today. It was, was, was nice having you on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much. All the best. Good night, thanks, thanks a lot. Keep well. Good bye. Well, that was quite a quite an interesting chat with, with uh, Robin. Definitely was. Um, some good insights as to props and specifics. You spoke about the olden-day prop and the more modern-day prop. Um, a lot of things that he didn't touch on More so from a technical point of yes. view um, And the interesting thing that he said Is uh, the changes between lucid and, and tight That isn't as, as easy to adapt to As the public might think
0: Yes, definitely, Mark um, Something that stood out for me Was um, talking about the scrummaging Scrumming up or scrumming down And where the referee comes in And how they look at it so It was quite interesting
1: Definitely. Um, I know you spoke about depending on what side the referee is standing, whether it's a tight head that gets penalised or not. But I think, the and I'm not a front row specialist, but I think the most penalties probably get given away by the loose head. And more so referees that probably have never played in that specific position that needs to, to manage it oh. is where they have a look at the loose head props elbow. Yeah. So if he, if he keeps it up and the scrum goes down, he'll obviously get a second chance. But as soon as his elbow drops yeah. and the scrum collapses, then uh, that's where the penalty starts. So yeah. it's, actually, it's actually very nice. Yeah,
0: and that's yeah. also where changing position between tight and proper can actually cause penalties because mm-hmm. the player is not used to that position. Definitely. So yeah.
1: one can now just think with our show leading to next week where we're going to cover the hooker um, and loose forward... Um looking back at tonight's show, it's quite interesting to see where this is gonna lead through over the next couple of weeks.
0: How it all fits in.
1: Yes, and obviously Completing it's gonna, the puzzle. It's gonna end with the pretty boys at the back that score all the tries oh. and the and the forwards they <laughs> do all the donkey work.
0: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> then on a much sadder note, on the seventeenth of August twenty twenty Peter Ripley Evans passed away. Our condolences to his family and friends. Peter was a loose head prop played for Natal 54 Caps and he was playing out of SA Home Loans Collegians. Our condolences to the family and friends. Then the news came through that our professional sides can now return to full contact training. It was also said that there will only be a couple of sides in the in the curry cup, the Vodicon Bulls, Emirates Lions, the Celsius Sharks, DHL Stormers, the Toyota Cheetahs, Pakisa Pumas, and then Tafelago Griquas. I don't think that the fixtures have been announced yet.
1: No, well, firstly, with regards to return of contact, it's it's exciting that we are there. Um, it's quite fitting that it's the start of September, so it's spring has sprung, um, and we can actually start with, with, with the contact. I mean, the most professional outfits have been busy with group-specific training yes. for the last month and a half, two months uh-huh. or so. Um, they're quite excited to get going and obviously from a public point of view we want to see some rugger in South Africa. So it's exciting. Um, you are correct. There's no specific fixtures that have been confirmed yet. Yes. I spoke to the union today myself. Um, the talk is that it would be probably be the first week in October um, and that would set us up because just last week I think Johan Ninabo spoke about the springboks that need to play between 5 and 7 games I think it is before they will confirm whether we're going to play um, in the championship should that continue otherwise we won't be prepared enough so yes. I think from a South African point of view and a sport's point of view we want to see the Springboks play and the Curry Cup this year uh, apparently it's going to be breathtaking because the Springboks are going to be part of it
0: Yes I see they, they plan to do it a, a two rounder So it will be over 14 weeks, I presume, Um, but nothing has been said yet.
1: Definitely. The sad part, though, is, and I think we're going to touch on it now, is the fact that the uh, Southern Kings aren't taking part, unfortunately, due to financial issues.
0: Yeah, they have voluntarily withdrawn, um, and it is because of financial difficulties. Um, I think they said over and above the $6.5 that they're in debt at the moment, they can't afford to, to go any deeper.
1: Yeah, and it's sad. Uh, um, they've even done so from a Pro 14 point of view. So yes. they've pulled out of a international tournament, yeah. and things are so rife in the Southern Kings camp at the moment that some of their players have already been poached to go to other unions. I know Jake White from from the Blue Bulls signed a young up-and-coming. I think he's a flanker if I'm not mistaken so and obviously the, it's got to do with salaries and that so the, the players are looking at going elsewhere and, it, and it's a pity because you know the Eastern Cape is, is very very much part of, of our rugby history and, yes, and it's 100%. sad to see that yeah. happening in South Africa
0: Well I think it's also because of the short term contracts that they're offering um, there's no full time contracts it's all short term contracts and I think that's why the players decide to, to leave
1: but I think part of that is uh, obviously short-term from a from a financial point of view. Their main uh, sponsor, if I can call it that, um, contributed to the financial side, obviously hasn't come through. The shareholding has been between yes. whoever the companies might be and, and Saru itself. Um, and it's just it's it's sad for South African rugby and no, those youngsters.
0: At the moment, Saru has got the major share. Yes, yes. that is. Yes. And then touching on the Pro 14... Um, some good news in the Pro 14 that Reno Smith, one of our local players um, has been crowned the top try scorer for the Pro 14 2019-2020 He scored 10 tries in 14 matches
1: That's great and that's something we spoke about last week um, when we had a discussion about our players playing overseas something that I stated to say that um, at, at Goes well for South African players to go there. Firstly, it's a financial injection to them; it's their salaries. Secondly, our skills pick up, you know. And he's blossomed while he's here. look. He's always been a good player when he was in South Africa. He played yes. for the Cheetahs and he played yes. for the Sharks, um, and then he went back to to Gauteng and he played some rugby there before he went overseas. and uh, And it's good to see them, you know. Obviously. Pro fourteen and that is on the go now and you can you can look at all our players. Um, sales sales sharks with so many Springboks the last two games they all battled this weekend that has gone by, they put their hands up. So it's nice to see the South African flavour up north.
0: Yeah, and then something else about Raino Smith that people might not know is that in twenty nineteen he was allocated to a Mamzandati rugby club by the union. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So we are on the map. Yes, definitely are. Then from down under, um, Amy Perrett, the first female super rugby referee. Just something interesting about Amy, she joined the New South Wales Rugby Association in 2008. In 2012, she was at the World Rugby Women's Sevens Series, made her debut there. Um, Then in 2014, She made her debut at the Women's Six Nations. In 2014, she handled the whistle in the Women's World Cup Final. She became the first woman appointed in Australia at the Australian National Rugby Championships in 2016. And she became the first female assistant referee in Super Rugby. And now this year, 2020, on the 29th of August, she became the first female super rugby referee. I think that's a big achievement.
1: Yeah, isn't that quite exciting? Um, you know, sport in general brings nations together. Um, it's not a male or a female sport. I mean, that's why we all play this wonderful game. Ladies have got their own right in doing 100%. certain things. And what is nice about this is she officially started the game as a referee in Women's Month, so it makes it even better. Yes, definitely.
0: Well, just just amplifies the fact that um, Toti Rugby Club has got a, a big drive to, to promote women's rugby and to try and get women involved in rugby and amongst and Toti.
1: Yeah, we've got quite a, quite a big following yeah. Um, I know this year, unfortunately, due to COVID, we, we couldn't follow it through, but this year we would have had our own ladies' side. Yes. Um, Pre season, there were many of the ladies that that yes. started coming down to training and that. So mm-hmm. hopefully next year we'll have a fully fledged side, play in a, in a proper league. Look, it's not big, unfortunately, yes. in KZN yet. Um, m- more teams in, in the Durban area that, that partake, yeah. but we will definitely have a south coast flavor in in next year
0: definitely and then 2021 being our 75th anniversary I would just like to appeal to all the mums and toti locals to not forget about helping us with some interesting stories, some newspaper articles some merchandise to take into our 75th anniversary you can contact us at contact at chatsapphire.co.za or at chairman at the Mums and Rugby Club.co.za. Thanks for that, Gus. Thanks for a
1: nice productive show. Looking forward to next week where we continue with our position specific. And then just for the listeners out there, we'll have two special guests in studio where they can share their thoughts from a playing perspective and from a coaching perspective. So looking forward to that.
0: That will be interesting. Thank you for tuning in to Touchline and please join us next week for another packed rugby chat. Goodbye from Touchline, myself, Kasper Els, Mark Cameron and have a great rugby week.